and witness these children singing the Christmas carols a few moments ago. We're reminded uh, that these young people represent our future. And I pray that you'd help us to give ourselves to their teaching and training and uh, to get them the gospel and to teach them the whole counsel of God and the truth of your word. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to dedicate ourselves to that afresh and anew. And then, Father, I pray for these uh, needs that we have. Uh, we do ask you to be with uh, Richard uh, Luster this morning. I pray that you'd uh, give the doctors wisdom as they work with him and as they uh, try to be a blessing to him. I pray that you'd uh, continue to, to help him and strengthen him, and, and may your hand of healing be upon him. Father, continue to be with Amari. Thank you for the, uh, the, the success of the, uh, the treatments in his little body. I pray that you'd continue to, uh, to help him as well. And then, Father, we come to the preaching of your word. I pray that you'd help us in a special way. On this Sunday before Christmas, may we get what you have for us today, and, uh, and may we apply it to our hearts. Father, as we were reminded in Sunday school, it, it is truly good news and uh, glad tidings of great joy. And I pray that we'd see it for what it is this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. If you'll stand with me, please, for the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter number 1. Uh, I'm sorry, Luke chapter... Yeah, Matthew chapter 1, Luke chapter 2. And uh, in Matthew's Gospel, we're going to start in verse number 18 and read down just a few verses, and then we'll skip over to the book of Luke for a few verses there. Obviously, these are familiar Christmas passages, and so uh, look at verse number 18, if you will. The Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ <clears throat> was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily or privately. Verse 20, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is uh, conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. By the way, the name Jesus in the New Testament is is uh, equivalent to Jehoshua or Joshua in the Old Testament, meaning Jehovah is salvation. And so uh, that name resonated with those who heard it. When they heard the name Jesus, they, they understood this means salvation. And then I want you to turn over to Luke chapter number 2. Luke chapter 2, in that very familiar version of the Christmas story in Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 2, look at verse number 16. Bible says, And they came with haste, and found Mary, and Joseph, and the babe, lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Notice verse 19, the Bible says, But Mary kept all these things, and pondered them in her heart. Mary kept all these things, and pondered them in her heart her heart. I want to preach to you this morning on this subject, Christmas ponderings, Christmas ponderings. And let's pray together. Our Father, I pray that you'd help us in these few moments that we'll spend here at the conclusion of this service. I pray that you'd help us all to have the right thought processes this Christmas. Father, may our thoughts not be distracted by the temporal. May they not be distracted by the, uh, the schedule, by the hustle and bustle 
of, and the busyness of the season. But Father, may our, may our ponderings, may our thoughts be subjected uh, to your will and to your word. And really what Christmas is all about, I pray that you'd bless now the time in your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. The Bible says in Matthew <clears throat> that, uh, that Joseph thought about some things. Put yourself in Joseph's position for just a few moments. We understand Joseph was not the father of Jesus Christ. Now, that's very important that we establish that. God was the father of Jesus because that which was, that which was conceived in Mary was of the Holy Ghost. And so that product of Mary's womb was put there by God himself. And when the fullness of time was come, Jesus was born of that virgin in, in Bethlehem's manger. But before that happened, put yourself in Joseph's position because he got word <coughs> that Mary was expecting. Now, Mary is not to be worshipped. Mary is not deity. Never has been, never will be. She's to be respected because she is the human instrument through which came our Savior into this world. She's to be revered and respected, but she's not to be worshipped because she's not God. And, uh, and however, <coughs> when, uh, when Joseph got word that Mary was with child, I'm sure he was bewildered. I'm sure he was confused. I'm sure that he's thinking, now wait a minute, none of this makes sense. Now look back with me in Matthew chapter 1 and verse, uh, verse number 18. It says, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she, found, uh, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Notice verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. Now, we learn a lot in these two verses about the character of Joseph. Now we understand he wasn't the father of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the earthly guardian of Jesus. And uh, by the way, God must have thought very highly of Mary and Joseph, not just Mary, but you think about the fact that God was thought enough of Joseph that, uh, that he allowed his son to be brought up in Joseph's home. That's a wonderful thought. But understand this morning, Joseph was a man of integrity. The Bible says he was a just man. He was a good man. He was a God-fearing man. He was, uh, uh, he was a man who obeyed the Lord, a man of integrity. Not only that, you, you see that he was a compassionate man. Notice it says that Joseph being a just man and not willing to make her a public example. You see, in those days, engagement was a little bit different than it is in our in our time, engagement back then was uh, it was espousal, and uh, there was a there, there, basically there was a legally binding contract, if you will, between husband and wife. And although their marriage had not been consummated physically, that was a that was a legal transaction that happened. And so, for Joseph to do anything other than marry his his soon to be wife Mary <coughs> to marry Mary, uh, but. Uh, that there had to be a legal process of putting her away if he thought that she had been unfaithful to him. And so the Bible says that, that uh, Joseph was a just man, and the Bible says that he was not willing to make her a public example. He could have publicly humiliated her. He could have. But I want you to see, not only was a just man and a man of integrity, but he was also a man of compassion. He was a man of compassion. 
And so uh, we see this, uh, this man, Joseph, and his character. And notice the, notice the phrase that I want to focus on this morning. It says in the latter part of verse number 19, it says, He was minded to put her away privily. Notice verse 20. But while he thought on these things. While he thought on these things. Moses was a thinking man. He was a man who, uh, who gave himself time. Uh, he didn't just uh, respond in a knee-jerk reaction to what was going on. The Bible says he was just. He thought to put her away privily because he didn't want to, uh, to publicly humiliate her. And, but it says, while he thought on these things. Now think about that. Joseph, the thinking man. He thought on these things. He pondered. He didn't just react. He didn't just fly off the handle. He didn't just lose his temper. He didn't just uh, uh, have a knee-jerk reaction and, and act accordingly. No, the Bible says while he thought on these things and while he was thinking, notice what happened in verse number 20. The, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and so forth. I've often wondered what kind of thoughts Joseph had in that whole process. I've often wondered what was going through his mind as he's trying to put all this together. Here's Mary no doubt, he, he, he knew Mary. He thought he knew Mary very well. And now all of a sudden, it turns out that she's expecting a baby. And, uh, and he's a just man. He doesn't want to embarrass her. He, uh, he wants to exercise some compassion and so on and understanding. And while he's thinking on these things, again, not a reaction, but he's thinking about it, the angel appears to him and says, Joseph, it's okay. Joseph, it's okay. That which is conceived in your bride-to-be is of none other than the Holy Ghost of God because she is going to bring forth a child, a son, and that son is going to be named Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sins. Now, you combine that passage with what we read in the book of Luke just a few moments ago. Look at uh, Luke chapter 2, verse number 19, where it says simply this, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. So in Matthew chapter 1, we see Joseph thinking on these things. In Luke chapter 2, after the birth of Christ and all that had happened that day, we see Mary keeping all these things and pondering them, thinking about these things, meditating upon these things in her heart. You know, each year we, go, we all go through the process of Christmas. We think about the decorating for Christmas. We think about all of the pageantry of it and all the, uh, no doubt you have some things, some traditions at your home. And, and uh, you know, there's the challenge of making sure the strings of lights work before you put them on the tree. I said before you put them on the tree. Can I get a witness right there? Amen. <clears throat> there's the challenge of putting up the tree and making sure that it's balanced and it doesn't fall down on top of you. How many of you have come home at some point, at some time during your life during the Christmas season and found your tree laying on its side? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a few of you have. And, uh, you know, then there are, the, uh, there are all the ornaments that you dig out of storage and the ones that are mysteriously lost since last year. They, and, uh, I heard about uh, uh, a family that had a tradition of getting new ornaments every year. And the reason why they had to get new Christmas ornaments every, every year is because there was a house full of boys and they would 
their, their, their tradition for taking down the Christmas tree was a BB gun. <laughs> and they would take the ornaments off one shot at a time. And, uh, and, and, and therefore, they needed new ornaments every year. And uh, I kind of like that. But anyway, uh, you know, at our house, we have, uh, we have uh, the standard procedure of uh, burning the Christmas tree on, uh, right around New Year's or whatever. But, uh, and then, you know, we have the standard ornaments that are decorative. And then there are some ornaments that, we've been, that have been given to us down through the years that are more sentimental and it causes us to think. There's a, uh, my wife has a, a tree that we've, uh, that we've had since we moved here and we just call it the Michigan tree. And uh, because that tree, it's, it's, in the, it's in the dining room and every ornament on that tree was given to us by some somebody in our church, and it's it's a very special tree. It's very sentimental to us, and and uh, and every time I look at those ornaments, and I think about uh, many of them, I remember specifically who gave them to us, and and it causes me to, to think of you all, and and, uh, and 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 say a brief word of prayer or whatever. And uh, sometimes I'll have a name on it that says who it was given from. <clears throat> but you understand something? Those are things about the season that causes us to think about people causes us to think about the joy of Christmas causes us to think about the reason of Christmas and you understand in verse number 19 the Bible tells us that Mary when all of the events of the day were over she she thought about everything that had happened that day she thought about the angels that had uh, given the proclamation to the uh, shepherds she thought about the shepherds uh, who had come to the manger to see the Christ child and uh, after the events in Bethlehem had ended there were some things that Mary kept with her and the Bible says she pondered them in her hearts and so this morning I want to take the these two concepts the thought of Joseph as he thought about what had happened what was going to happen and as Mary, as she thought about what had happened after Jesus was born, and I want to preach to you on, just for a few moments on this, Christmas ponderings. Christmas ponderings. What should we think about this Christmas? The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So is he. As you think of something, as you dwell upon it, as you meditate upon it, that's what you're going to be. Your Christmas is going to be what you think about, what you meditate upon during this season. So I want to jump into some things uh, this morning, if you, as time allows. First of all, we need to remember and think about the fact this Christmas that God became flesh. God became flesh. Don't ever get used to that. God became flesh. He who knew no sin, the Bible says, became sin for us. He, Jesus took upon himself the form of a servant. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but and then it goes on to say, He made himself of no reputation. If anyone had a right to bring, to come into this earth, to come to this world with a reputation as royalty, as somebody important, it would have been the Christ child. It would have been that baby in a manger. He chose to come in, some, in such a humble way to, to be revealed to mankind, but yet he was God incarnate, God in the flesh. Oh, don't miss it this morning. That little baby wasn't just a baby. 
That little baby wasn't your ordinary baby. No, he was born in Bethlehem's manger, but he took on flesh. Jesus never had a beginning. Oh, that was his human manifestation. That was his human revelation. But he never had a beginning because from the beginning of the earth, he always has been, he always will be. He's the pre-existing son of God. We need to keep that in mind. As we think about Christmas, we need to be reminded that God became flesh. God became a man. And understand something. Jesus, as he became flesh, the Bible says he was at all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. You think about the fact that Jesus, as that baby, and then he grew up into his, uh, his childhood years. He, and we, we see him finally at the age of 12 years old in Luke chapter 2 in the, in the, at the end of the chapter as he's being uh, taken to the temple as a 12-year-old boy. And he's astounding all of the, uh, the uh, Pharisees and all the doctors of the law and so forth. And, and they're wondering at his knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures and so forth. Is it any wonder that they were wondering at him? <laughs> it's because he was God. He was God in the flesh. And from there, he grew up through his adolescent years and then into his early adult years. And at the age of 30, he was revealed to the world. He came onto the scene as John the Baptist introduced him and uh, as the forerunner of Christ. And he said, I'm not, worthy to, uh, I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. And he was baptized there in the Jordan River. And then he was tempted of the devil in the wilderness. And he was filled with the Spirit of God. Everything he did was in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. He was a man without sin he was the god man without sin he couldn't sin why because he was god but yet by the same token he hurt like you hurt by the same token he got thirsty like you get thirsty by the same token he got hungry like we get hungry by the same token he got tired as we do he mourned the death of a loved one as we do we see it in John chapter 11 when he was called to the home of his good friends Lazarus and Mary and Martha and he gets to the house there and Mary meets him there and said, Lord, if you'd been here, Lazarus would not have died and Jesus beheld the grief of his friends Mary and Martha there at the loss of their brother Lazarus and as he was moved by their grief, the Bible says in John eleven thirty five, 35, Jesus wept. He had every manifestation of humanity that you and I have yet, yet, big yet there, yet without sin. Yet without sin. Hey, that was, that's our Savior. That's that baby in the manger that I want you to see this morning. Don't just see him as a baby in a manger. Don't just see the peaceful scene as he lays there in the feeding trough among the animals in the barn. Don't just see him there as the shepherds bow the knee and, uh, and give worship to him. Don't just see him there as the wise men come with their gifts. Don't just see him and all those wonderful mental images that we have of Christmas. But let's think about this this morning. Let's think as Joseph did. Let's think as Mary did and ponder these things in our heart and understand and that Jesus was not just a man, he was the God-man. He was the God-man. Second thing we ought to be reminded of as we think about Christmas, Christmas is all about giving. Christmas is all about giving. Uh, <clears throat> Christmas is all about giving because the Bible says that thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. The greatest gift ever given was not under a tree somewhere. The greatest gift ever given appeared in a barn. 
The greatest gift ever given appeared when God became flesh and the Father gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, uh, friend, let me just remind all of us that Christmas is all about the gift. The gift. We understand it's more blessed to give than to receive. Oh, it's fun to get, but it's more fun to give. Hey, it's a blessing to receive, but it's more blessed to give. It's all about giving. It's all about what God gave to us. Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 8, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, that tells us about the greatest gift ever given. It was commended to us. Let me just encourage you this holiday season. Why don't you commend your love to somebody else? Hey, that's Christ-like. That's God-like. It's not, look, it wasn't enough for God just to feel love for us. God had to demonstrate his love for us. It wasn't enough for God just to sit in heaven and say, you know what, I sure do love those people down there on planet Earth. No, that wasn't enough because we were still hell-bound. We were still bound by the chains of our own sins and our own, our, we're sinners by birth, sinners by choice. And understand something, God in heaven said, I'm going to commend, I'm going to demonstrate, I'm going to show my love for those people down there in a way that they can understand it, in a way that is obviously tangible. And so the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Christmas reminds us that it's all about giving, and it's all about the greatest gift ever giving. I want you to see something else as we think about Joseph. Uh, and, and his thoughts about what all this was about. And as we see that Mary pondered all these things in her heart and she gave great thought to what all this was about, understand this, Christmas is when Jesus became part of our family so that we could become part of his family. Christmas reminds us as we think about the importance of it that Christmas is when Jesus became part of our family so that we could become part of his family. I want to direct your attention to John chapter 1 and verse number 11. Familiar passage. John chapter 1, verse number 11, the Bible says this, He came into His own, talking about the nation of Israel. He came into His own, and His own received Him not. His own received Him not. Think about the rejection that Jesus endured as a man. Reject, you know, no one likes to be rejected no one likes to be shunned. No one enjoys for someone to turn their back on you, but that's exactly what happened to Jesus. The Bible says he came into his own, and his own received him not. But in verse 12, the Bible says, But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. One of the greatest things about Christmas is family. Family. I love being with family, don't you? Family is a wonderful thing. What a blessing. Uh, time with family, laughter with family, traditions with family, you know, selfies with family. You had to throw that in there in 2019. You know. How many of you, be honest with you, how many of you, you own a selfie stick? Be honest. Some of you aren't being honest. Okay, there we go. <laughs> but you know, Christmas time, it's, you know, time with family. And, and one of the last things that we do on Christmas night 
usually we're at my, my wife's parents' house and they'll get all the, all the kids and all the grandkids and yes, they even left the in-laws, our son-in-laws in there, but anyway. But uh, they get everybody around the tree and somebody's got a selfie stick there and somebody will take it. That's the, that's the, it's just the thing to do. It's the perfunctory Christmas picture tradition. But I love family. And uh, I love uh, food with family. Amen? That's a good one. But think about this for a second. Jesus joined the human family. Jesus, the Bible says of him in Colossians chapter 1, by him all things consist. He made us and then he became one of us. That's kind of neat, isn't it? He made all of us. The Bible says by him everything consists, all things consist. He made us, he's our creator, and then 2,000 years ago he decided to become one of us as far as the human family is concerned. Of course, we understand that Joseph was not his father, but he did live in Joseph's house during the growing up years, and he had half-brothers and half-sisters, and he was part of a human family so that he could make humans part of his family. Don't miss that. The reason why he became part of the human family as God is because he wanted you to be part of his family. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the what? Sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Hey, Jesus joined my family because he wanted me to be a part of his family for eternity. That's what he wants for you this morning. If you're here and you don't know if you're part of God's family, you say, well, pastor, I just thought that, hey, God is everybody's father. No, that's not true. That's not true. God is not everybody's father. Just because you're a human being doesn't mean you're part of God's family. Now, God wants you to be a part of his family, but it is a misconception for you to think that just because you breathe God's air and eat his food and drink his water as a human being makes you part of his family. That's not true. In fact, Jesus looked at a group of people in John chapter 8 one time, and he said, "Ye are of your father the devil. Guess who he was talking to at that time? Religious people. He was talking to religious people. He said, you Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees, he said, you, uh, you are of your father, the devil. Whoa, that's pretty strong language. It came from the lips of the Son of God himself. But Jesus came because he loved us and he joined our family as human beings so that we, in turn, could receive him and become part of his family as sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, the Bible says. You don't become a son of God by church attendance. You don't become a son of God by, uh, by, by uh, uh, any church. You can have your name on every church roll in the county, still die and go to hell. That's not the way it works. No, God became flesh. Jesus became flesh to become part of our family so that we could become part of his family. The church is about one family, God's family, and you and I get to be a part of it. What a privilege. I'm a child of the king this morning, not because of me, in spite of me. I belong to God this morning, not because of my goodness, but because of Jesus' goodness. I have a home waiting for me in heaven one day. John chapter 14, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for those of us who are part of his family. But the only way that you become a part of his family, he said it right there, even to them that believe on his name, Jesus is the only way. He's the only way to get into the family. Next thought, and I hasten. And we're about done. I appreciate your patience this morning. But have you thought about that lately? 
We think about, we see Joseph there thinking about all of these things that were happening. We see Mary thinking about the meaning of all that had happened on that day. Well, we need some thinking Christians when it comes to Christmas. We need to be reminded of what it's all about. I think of something else that we need to be thoughtful of, and that is this. Jesus was born to die. Jesus was born to die. That's why he came. The whole purpose for him coming was that later on, 33 years later, he would die on a cross, a cruel, rugged cross, to hang there in shame and agony and rejection so that you and I could have our sins forgiven. So that you and I could be the sons of God. He was born to die. Oh, listen very carefully. I'm all for all of the pastoral and peaceful scenes of the little baby in a manger. But in the distance looms the shadow of a cross. Don't ever forget that. He was born to die on Calvary. And then I want you to see this, and we're done. That first Christmas will not be the last time Jesus comes to earth. Something else we ought to be reminded of that we ought to think about. As we think about Christmas, when we see Jesus as the baby in the manger, let's be reminded that will not be the last time Jesus comes to earth. But the next time he comes, it won't be like it was the first time he came. The next time he comes, it won't be as the baby in the manger. It will be as the conquering king. The next time Jesus sets foot on this earth, oh, he's going to come in the clouds, the Bible says, and he's going to rapture, take us away, those of us who've received him as our Savior one day. But he's not coming all the way to the earth, but when he does come back to the earth, he's coming not as the baby in the manger, but he's coming as the King of Kings. He's coming as the Lord of Lords. He's coming, and when he comes, the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's when he's coming again. Now listen very carefully. Listen very carefully. Every knee will bow. What if I don't believe in him? Doesn't matter. Every knee will bow. What about the atheist? Every knee will bow. What about the agnostic? Every knee will bow. What about the, uh, uh, those uh, uh, who, uh, who, who rejected him? Every knee will bow. You see, he came in grace and in mercy the first time. He came to express God's love to all of us. He came and he, he, he brought the message of hope and the message of peace. And as we talked about in Sunday school, goodwill toward men. He came with tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. The tidings of the gospel of Jesus Christ, wanting all men to repent, wanting all men to turn to him, wanting all men to say, Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. But you hear me now, he's going to come back one day. And when he comes back, it won't be like that. Because next time it's in judgment. Next time he's coming to rule and reign for a thousand years, the Bible says. Are you ready? Are you ready? Hey, if Jesus were to come in the clouds today, would you be ready to meet him? Hey, if you go out into eternity this week, now God forbid it would happen. I understand it's, it's Christmas week. But the Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die and after that the judgment. You have an appointment with death, and so do I. We don't know when it is. 
We have no idea when it is. Many times we don't see it coming. It's on the horizon and we don't see it coming. But death comes to everyone. And let me ask you a question this morning. Are you ready? Are you part of God's family? He came 2,000 years ago to become part of our human family so that you would trust him and become part of his family. Has that happened in your life? Have you received him as your Savior? Because if not, if not, the day's going to come. He's coming back. He's coming back in the clouds, first of all, to, to receive all of us who have received him. And if you're not, if you're not numbered among those of us then, well, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. I'm simply saying, why don't we understand the real meaning of Christmas and not just understand it here, not just understand it in our heads, but help us to understand it and apply it to our situation, to our lives. Have you received him as your Savior? He came into his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. Are you a son or daughter of God? I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. <laughs>